The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. Well, happy Friday, folks. We made it through the Patriots Parade on Tuesday. Uh, and once again, Chris Lasinski, Katie Lannon, and Colin Young join us. Happy Friday, folks. Happy Friday. Hey. Uh, so, Colin, let's let's start with you. And uh, the news with Governor Baker uh, down in Washington, D.C. this week. He was down there with North Carolina's governor testifying before the U.S. House uh, Natural Resources Committee. And he had some suggestions for federal lawmakers, things he wanted to see them do. But, Colin, let's start first with... Uh, what the governor had to say about what Massachusetts has done to combat uh, climate change and and to deal with its effects. Sure, Sam. Uh, Baker told federal lawmakers on Wednesday that climate policy isn't a partisan issue here in Massachusetts because, quote, we understand the science and know the impacts are real because we're experiencing them firsthand. Uh, And he called on Congress to follow Massachusetts' lead when it comes to uh, preparing for the effects of climate change and responding to them. Uh, One thing that the governor called for uh, was bold action and vision. There's that word bold again. We've been talking about that a lot this session. Uh, He called for federal emissions reductions targets, which would be similar to the legal mandates of the uh, Massachusetts Global Warming Solutions Act. That's, of course, the 2008 law that requires the state to reduce its emissions by certain percentages based on uh, what emissions were in 1990. Baker told the committee that that the state levels, the state reduction targets are working in Massachusetts. Uh, Through 2016, the state had reduced carbon emissions by 21.4% below those 1990 levels and was on track to achieve the legal requirement of a 25% reduction by 2020. Um, And he said that, in in fact, uh, these types of, of targets aren't an economic burden. Uh, He said that as long as states set them with long-term goals and objectives, uh, the private sector can plan and and will know that these changes are are going to be put into place. Uh, So he called on Congress to um, adapt the Massachusetts model into something that could work for the country at large. Now, the congressman from Louisiana... Remind me his name. Uh, that's Rep. Garrett Graves. Rep. Graves. Uh, he was critical of, of how things are working in Massachusetts. Yeah, he, um, like Baker, a Republican, uh, he was the one member of the committee who sort of pushed back uh, against Charlie Baker on Wednesday. Uh, he was very keen to point out that Massachusetts, unlike Louisiana, does not produce much energy. Uh, compared to Louisiana, we produce almost nothing. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> Louisiana, big refinery state. Uh, they have a lot of energy production going on. Their economy is really, uh, or a good chunk of its economy is based around the energy sector. Uh, so he, Rep. Graves was pointing out that Massachusetts has some of the highest electric rates in the country uh, and that the state consumes about 24 times as much energy as it actually produces, uh, sort of calling into question uh, whether the Massachusetts model would work for a state like Louisiana. Uh, I think his point there was that uh, it wouldn't work. You know, Massachusetts can reduce its emissions uh, maybe more easily or, or with less of an economic impact because our economy isn't based around energy like, say, Louisiana's would be. 
Uh, and that is something that Charlie Baker touched on uh, more in his written testimony than uh, the testimony he actually gave to the committee. But he said these uh, reduction targets should be right-sized to fit either regions or states. Now, the governor also had a suggestion for these federal lawmakers on state aid distribution. Yeah, um, I'll hit on two other things real quick that the governor pitched to Congress. Um, state aid distribution was one of them. He said that instead of providing certain types of aid only after a natural disaster, uh, the Fed should start funneling money to states ahead of these uh, storms that are becoming more and more severe so that states and uh, local governments can use that money to prepare and uh, sort of gird themselves against the, uh, the storms. Uh, he also brought up the infamous infrastructure bill, which, of course, we've ah. heard about uh, the first two years of Donald Trump's presidency. Long discussed. Exactly. Uh, he said that if and when Congress takes up that infrastructure bill or any infrastructure bill, uh, he highlighted the importance of taking into account then uh, climate change vulnerability and new design standards so that the infrastructure we build uh, will be able to withstand uh, the impacts of climate change going forward. All right. Well, thanks, Colin. Uh, now, back in Massachusetts, Governor Baker and the Democratic legislature uh, have been working together on a number of uh, energy and climate change proposals, as, as we've discussed. And uh, they do still have some differences on uh, how hard to go at renewable uh, energy. But uh, Chris Lisinski, uh, this week you were covering for us that the governor faced some criticism here in, in the state the day after um, getting back to Massachusetts from Washington over his support for the natural gas industry. Uh, we had yet another protest over the Weymouth gas compressor station up here at the state house. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Sam. So just to, to give everyone a little bit of background, because this is an issue that stretches back several years, um, uh, Canadian energy giant Enbridge has proposed a compressor station in Weymouth as part of its natural gas pipeline infrastructure. Um, that's something that's been pretty controversial here since it was first proposed. In 2017, uh, the state government ordered a health impact assessment on what Enbridge wants to do with this compressor site. The uh, Metropolitan Area Planning Council was tasked with doing that, and last month the council found that uh, other than construction noise, that station would not cause any substantial long-term health impacts. Uh, but Chris, uh, opposition to the compressor station rose to, I would say, new levels this week, right? Yeah, that's that's, that's absolutely right. Uh, kind of on several different fronts on Thursday. A group of eight experts in medicine and in public health uh, aligned with the group Physicians for Social Responsibility. They came out with their own report warning that this natural gas, gas compressor station would create further risks for the, the area in and around Weymouth, an area that already has higher than average rates of lung disease and cancer compared to the rest of the state. Uh, so that was the, the first front. The second was that the, the Metropolitan Area Planning Council, which again, uh, produced the health impact assessment, finding no likely major health impacts, uh, came out in opposition to the station on uh, environmental reasons and other safety concerns that weren't really part of the scope of what they were tasked with in the first place. And then on top of all of that, about uh, 100 activists gathered outside Baker's office here at the State House on Thursday. Uh, many of them were with environmental groups such as Mothers Out Front and the Sierra Club. Uh, they came with signs. They came with uh, little cardboard scissor models demanding that the governor and the government cut their ties to the fossil fuel industry. Uh, Baker himself wasn't here that day to, to meet them, but they all submitted letters and, and, and notes to his aide for him to, to review going forward, trying to raise their voices very clearly in opposition to something that 
has not gotten final approval, but has been moving through the permitting process. And they also went over to the Mass DEP office and uh, Yep, they went location? to the, the DEP office. They went to the uh, Department of Public Health's office and dropped off letters there as well. Some of the letters that they dropped off were actually written by communities all across the state. I believe the number is 93 uh, municipal boards of health have come out in opposition to uh, uh, the natural gas industry and fracked gas uh, for, for its health and safety concerns. Beyond a South Shore issue. Yep, yep. I mean, some letters came from from Lowell, from Western Massachusetts. Um, the communities that joined in writing these letters are really from all over. Now, the administration hasn't actually given the final approval on this project, right? Yep, that's correct. Um, you know, we're still going through the process. There's a couple more hurdles to clear. The station did get that air quality permit based on the health impact assessment. I believe Baker's words when asked about it last month were, uh, were that, you know, in the wake of that report, he really had no choice. Um, but uh, uh, several more steps have to happen. Four communities near the station, Weymouth, Quincy, Hingham, and Braintree, and three citizens groups have appealed the permit. Uh, so DEP actually has to, to weigh that appeal and determine whether it will continue to uphold the permit or not. Now let's turn over to Katie Lannon. Uh, and, and Katie, the administration, the Baker administration, has been refiling some of its bills that uh, didn't gain traction in the legislature last year, last session. Uh, one of them, uh, and you covered this announcement on Wednesday, is the administration's explicit images bill, the sharing of explicit images. Uh, this comes at a criminal justice issue from a couple of different directions. Yeah, that's right, Sam. Well, um, Colin was tuned in to the governor's testimony in D.C. Uh, acting Governor Polito was chairing a meeting of a, um, a, a council that exists to combat sexual assault and domestic violence and pursue policies in that area. And uh, the lieutenant governor at this meeting, she announced the refiling of a, a bill that didn't really go very far last session. It didn't make it to the floor for a vote. And that's around the issues of revenge porn and kind of teen sexting Um or in you know legislative jargon, the sharing of sexually explicit images. So what that bill does, as you mentioned, is it goes in kind of two directions. It tackles the non-consensual sharing of these images, um, closing what the administration describes as a gap or a loophole where recording someone without consent is, of course, prohibited. But if you are sharing consensually taken photos, it does not matter if the person consents to the sharing. So they're looking to make that a felony offense. Um, and kind of on the other hand, the other side of that coin to mix metaphors is mm -hmm. sharing of sexually explicit images by youth, um, kind of peer to peer sharing of those images. It's a felony um, under under child pornography laws. And we heard at this meeting from Rep. Jeff Roy of Franklin, who's filed a similar bill and he talked about an instance in his district where 60 high schoolers were involved in a, a situation where these images were being shared amongst each other. And the police chief there came to Rep. Roy and, and told him, you know, I really, I don't have any choices here. I can charge him with felony child pornography charges or nothing. And that, that's all I've got. Hands were tied. Exactly. Um, Jennifer Queeley, who's the state's deputy secretary of public safety and security, she talked about a similar instance um, when she was a, a prosecutor in Middlesex County in 2008. So this has been an issue for a while. And she, you know, she said that there, there's the one thing you're already going through so much that this is happening, 
but not doing anything sends the wrong message, and so does a, a felony offense. She says this bill, the, the refile of a 2017 piece of legislation, is, is really the only option. Uh, Brian Kais, the Chelsea chief, who is uh, also head of the Mass Major City Chiefs. Right, he was there at that meeting. He was, yeah, he's on that council. And he said he was surprised that this wasn't included in the major criminal justice overhaul the governor signed last year. It's, it speaks to creating diversion programs for youth instead of looping them into the criminal justice system. And it would also give district attorneys the discretion if they do pursue charges to decide if it should be a felony or a misdemeanor. Sure. You mentioned that Lieutenant Governor Polito, or, or on Wednesday, Acting Governor Polito, made this announcement. And uh, and she's sort of been taking, taking the lead on this. She said she's going to put her shoulder into it? That's right, yeah. And she does chair that council. She's very vocal on these issues. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see what putting her shoulder into it looks like. She is a former rep. She's familiar with the legislative process. Um, like the governor, she's a member of what is the minority party in the legislature. It's Democrat supermajorities in both branches. We don't too often see the administration kind of use their political capital and several of their, their initiatives, like this one, didn't pass last cycle. Um, we've also seen the governor refile his dangerousness bill. That's another criminal justice issue that didn't make it through the legislature last session. Um, the, the governor and the legislature, you know, they, they tend to see eye to eye on certain things, but they're not always the most in sync with criminal justice policies. You know, one area we, where we really did see that is that big overhaul last session that the governor signed into law while also offering up a, a second bill to tweak and change kind of the components he didn't care for or didn't think would be workable. But that didn't go anywhere, did it? Never reached the floor for a vote. So we'll see what happens. All right. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Thanks again. Thanks, Sam. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.